Hi, guys. This is Mike Young with Noble Warriors, and I just want to welcome you to the Noble Man podcast. This is episode 16. Our topic for today is the noble man seeks the wisdom of other men. You know, last week on our podcast, I, I invited you to sit in on a small group of guys that I meet with on Friday mornings, and I tell everyone that I'm going to meet with some wise guys. And we all need these men in our lives, but one of the challenges that we face is how do we find these wise men who are going to invest in us and what happens when someone says, hey, I'd love to invest in you. So I've invited a couple of friends of mine. Uh, these guys do men's ministry in Illinois, Springfield, Illinois, and Decatur, Illinois. Tom Cheshire is in Springfield. Tom Gensler is in Decatur. And uh, so these guys are intent on discipling men. So Guys, welcome to the Nobleman Podcast, and let me just throw out a question. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, family-wise, ministry-wise, and introduce yourselves. Uh, I'm Tom Cheshire, and I have a wonderful wife of 37 years this December, uh, Jan, and we have two adult daughters, Amelia, who lives in Portland, Oregon, and Lindley, uh, who lives here near us in Springfield. I began uh, Relevant Practical Ministry for Men back in 2007 was when we officially planted the flag and, and launched. Uh, we have uh, not changed our mission from the beginning to be a resource to the local church in the area of men's discipleship. Uh, we have greatly changed our strategy and tactics um, over the course of the last 14 years. But um, for the most part, uh, we are pretty much uh, still focused on trying to help churches uh, invest in their men to grow them and see them mature in Christ. So that's the ministry. Cool. All right. And Tom Gensler. Tom, uh, yes, I'm Tom Gensler. I have uh, been married for 16 years to Lisa. We've got five kids. Ruby uh, is 10. Moses is seven. Gabriel six. We've got two twins that are going to be three in a month and uh, been in full-time ministry with RPM since two. 2013 and um, passionate about what we do, helping guys grow spiritually. And um, I love I love uh, the conference ministry that we're a part of, and just working with churches. And then discipleship is just something that, that transformed my life, which is uh, why I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Well, let me and and so just a little background. I first encountered Tom Cheshire. He and I have known each other now since probably 2004, 2005. Uh, we would have been at an NCMM meeting together, probably in Washington, D.C., and then uh, we've been in relationship since then. He and I, along with a few other guys, are really charter members of the Iron Sharpens Iron National Conference Network. So we've we've been on phone calls and uh, actually visited each other's homes and and I uh, had all kinds of interaction over these years, and so I'm thankful for that. Uh, and then Tom came on, Tom Gensler came on with RPM a few years ago, and I, I, I just want to stop for a moment. RPM, uh, when I think RPM, I'm thinking trucks and uh, revolutions per minute. We're talking engine speed and that sort of thing, but that's not what RPM means to you guys in the name of your ministry. So what is RPM and how did you land on that name? Well, I guess I get uh, the onus of, of naming the ministry. Actually, uh, the guy that is now our board president uh, is, is the one I think technically that gave 
me the name. Um, I had founded a, a previous 501 called Businessmen in Christ and uh, had stepped away from that because I wanted to take uh, a little bit different slant on ministry than, than we were pursuing with Businessmen in Christ. Uh, and my board member, and we were hashing around and um, I, I don't know if he came up with the RPM first or if he just came up with how, how it worked, but uh, it was that sense of, you know, um, men, a tachometer. That was our original uh, logo was yeah. a tachometer, yeah. right? And it had a I red remember. line. And, you know, there, there, was, there was a lot of, you know, men are operating near the red line. And, you know, I mean, so there was a lot of uh, connectivity to it for men. But, yeah, uh, so then we just turned it into relevant practical ministry for men. Uh, and that's kind of how it stayed. But, you know, we generally just refer to the ministry as RPM and then uh, that's it. But that that's how it actually came about. Yeah. My, he wasn't the board president at the time. He was a dear friend and, and, and a guy who had invested in me. But, um, yeah, that's how it came about. So RPM is Relevant Practical Ministry for Men. So, uh, I mean, it just kind of tells its own story there that you want to be relevant and practical. This is not pie-in-the-sky theory stuff. This is rubber-hits-the-road, kitchen-table theology, uh, you know, cookies on the shelf that they need to be on so that we can, we can get to them, right? Yeah. So, uh, awesome. Well, listen, let me, let me launch into our topic for today, Proverbs 4. As a matter of fact, the pastor at our church is going to be preaching on Proverbs 4 this weekend. And uh, a couple of times in Proverbs 4, the Solomon says, get wisdom, get wisdom, get wisdom, get insight, pursue wisdom. And um, so one of the challenges that I think we have as men is sometimes we encounter situations where we say, man, I just wish I knew X. I, I, I wish I understood Y. And often for young men that I'm watching in my sphere of engagement, much of that has to do with, I wish I knew how better to engage my wife, or I wish I, I wish I had a better understanding of how to be a father to my kids or how to lead in business. And so, um, guys are searching for that wisdom. Can you remember a time when you were looking for wisdom, you needed that wisdom and you were, you were hopeful that someone was going to invest in you in some way. Tom Gensler, what's what's your uh, comment about that? Yeah, so <clears throat> not to give you my whole testimony, but when I bottomed out in my faith spiritually, uh, I remember going to my local church at the time and asking them to uh, if someone could uh, teach me how to be a man. And uh, they said, no one's ever asked us that question. Do you need saved? And I said, no, I understand salvation. I need someone. This was before the word discipleship was a cool word. I said, I need someone to, to, to teach me how to be a man. And they said, we've never heard of that. And so uh, in that way, they, uh, they sent me out uh, on, a, on, a, on my own quest. They didn't realize it at the time. But uh, wanting to figure out what it meant to be a man of God, what it meant to live as a, a godly man, uh, and, and I think a lot of guys are asking that question. Absolutely. And uh, there isn't a clear answer. And most of their pastors don't really, I think they the pastors have the answer, but they don't realize they have a succinct answer as well if they were to actually think about it. Um, but that the answer in that question, I think, is, is at the heart of every man. And I went on a quest to answer that question. And I, I believe that I found the answer to that question, which transformed my life, which then God called me out of the business world to into the ministry world to say, 
uh, I think there's like, you know, hundreds of guys in every church just like me. Uh, and how do we help them put the pieces of this puzzle together to live uh, a life that's, you know, thriving in Christ, uh, partnering with their pastor in their local church to help other men do the same thing? Yeah, because men want to be successful in home, in life. I mean, that's so much of what we do, I think, is uh, maneuvering, wearing a mask, covering up because we want to save face. Nobody wants to look stupid, but I, I think there are times when we all feel stupid, like we're missing something and we need some help to figure it out. And so um, let me let me say this. I um, Tom mentioned without telling his sharing his whole testimony. I want to make sure that I, I remind you guys that uh, part of the reason I've got Tom and Tom on is that together they co-authored a book that's really easy to read. It's a, it's a guy-friendly book called Real Life Discipleship. And one of the chapters in there is our stories, the two Toms telling their stories. Um, and, and so it's their testimony stories. But in both cases, there is this, this scenario where they needed to connect with other people to take the next steps in a healthy, God-honoring way. And so, um, you know, I'll point back to that um, resource multiple times, and you can find a link to it in the show notes. But um, you can he- read their stories there. And I, I just want to affirm, Tom, I think you're right on. As I watch, especially young dads, uh, it, when we were doing preschool and everything at our church, man, some of them just struggle with how do I manage family? How do I do life well? And they're looking for help. Um, as, as you started to say that your church sent you on a quest, it made me think about being in Boy Scout camp or any scenario where you're the new guy on the block and they send you to get the smoke shifter or they send you all over camp looking for shoreline or a board stretcher or something like that. I mean, it's a fool's errand and it can feel like that sometimes, but there are real answers for us. There really are. So tell me... Who ultimately did you come in contact with? Um, and and one of you can tell this. Maybe Tom Cheshire, you start this time. Who came along beside you? What what were the circumstances where someone came along beside you and said, "Let me walk with you on this path and share with you the wisdom that I've gained from uh, my season of walking with the Lord." Yeah. So Tom and I have similar um, beginnings to our, our testimony of where God really got a hold of us, right? And mine came in a, a bottoming moment of, and I was, um, you know, again, not to go into it all, you can read it in the book, but um, I, I was on a bus uh, to a Promise Keepers rally and a, a total stranger, I didn't didn't know the guy from Adam, uh, sat down next to me and smiled and said, tell me your story, friend. And so I you know, I was raw with where I was in my brokenness and, and in the midst of confessing and repenting. Uh, and so I just spilled everything out and told him what a shambles I had made of my life. And I was truly sorry and was seeking to, you know, get Christ to fill that void and help me to be the man I was supposed to be. And that, that was the beginning of the friendship. And, and uh, again, I didn't I didn't know him at all i had never met him and and we ended up becoming best friends and he was my primary mentor or my primary discipler uh for all the years that he had remaining he died in 2013 so um it, it's it's been a while since he's been in my life but 
those those first seven or eight years were just uh, in, incredibly informative. And and all he did, you know, I, I tell people he loved me. That was yeah. the thing from the very beginning. He just he didn't he didn't like you know immediately go, dude, you you screwed up, you suck. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, it, you know, he just he just loved me. He listened to me, and and he just. I, I've told people he was to me the epitome of a grace-filled man that uh, impacted me to understand what grace really looks like. Because not only did he have that characteristic with me, he had it with everybody. Yeah, he was a pastor in a Presbyterian church who got let go. He he got let go because they chose to choose the budget cut. They chose to keep the janitor over an associate pastor, so they let him go to keep wow. the janitor. Never bitter. Just went on with life. Worked at a homeless shelter. Um, just, just an incredibly sweet, sweet man who um, helped me just really understand what it meant to to be loved. So wow. it was him and another guy, Jim. Tally, that that's Scott Brindley. There's another guy, Jim Talley, who's still alive. That was the other guy that was instrumental in that very beginning, and he's the one who just came over and sat with me, opened the scriptures, uh, got me into the Word, got me to to develop a some spiritual disciplines as far as study and quiet time and meditation and those things on a, on a regular basis that became the foundational piece that then helped me uh, understand where, you know, where you go to, to find the answers, where you go to, to, to find your peace or whatever uh, was in, was in the word of God. So those two guys combined Scott Brindley for a long time, Jim Talley for a short time, but both of those were the, were the, were the men that God brought to me originally that, that formed the disciple out of their relationship with me. I, I want to say something too, back to the idea that I think nowadays here we are in 2020, there are a plethora of resources that, yeah. that, that give a lot of good answers to those questions. But here's the problem. Even our book, it, it's a resource. If you just read that book and you don't, and you're not in a relationship with someone who's actually helping you try to understand what it means to be a good father. You can read books to your blue in the face on fathering or husbandry or whatever. Right. But if you don't have someone that's actually modeling that with you and helping you walk through it and answering questions, I, I think they're, I won't say worthless, but they're, they're not as, they're not as beneficial as the relationship that you have with another individual that helps you move through those, those times and those areas that you're trying to grow in. Well, I've, I've heard a number of people say that information by itself is not transformational. Uh, we all know that we should exercise more and eat healthy, and uh, we there are things that we should do to make our lives more productive and, um, and, and long-lasting, but uh, just knowing that doesn't mean that we're going to do anything about it because, man, you put a bag of Oreos on the table, and I'm, I'm pretty much mm-hmm. done. So, um, so knowing that doesn't solve the problem. It's, it's the knowing in the context of relationship. And, and for us, when we talk about discipleship, I, I believe that points us back to the source of truth and, and Jesus Christ. So Tom, speak to that. Who, who spoke into your life? Was there someone who came alongside and said, Tom, you're a mess. Let me, uh, let me spend some time with you. How, what did that look like? So, um, the mess, when I figured out I was in a mess, I think um, it was by myself. And uh, Tom Cheshire and I became friends shortly after this. But uh, one of the things you had uh, pointed out in the, uh, 
uh, email before this call yeah. was dealing with younger men. And um, Cheshire says me having the humility to say that I was jacked up was is like uh, the, some of the probably the most significant revelation maybe God's ever dropped on me that I'm a mess. And like, I don't know how to be a Christian. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to have uh, integrity in the workplace. Yet at church, I've been a Christian for like eight years and I'm respected. And uh, they asked me to lead stuff. And I'm like one of their go-to guys. Yet if you were to really dig down into my life, I'm about ready to cry because I'm broken. Yeah. Um, and, and and so me me uh, going on that quest to say, what what is the answer for these things? Uh, they actually handed me a flyer for an Iron Sharpens Iron conference. And that was when I went to the conference, had a good time. And I think we decided, Tom and I, that that was the second year they had done the ISI in Springfield. And I and I r- real quickly figured out two things. I, I looked up Promise Keepers and I looked up uh, the local the local Iron Sharpens Iron guy in Springfield, which is Tom Cheshire. And I figured out that I can't call Promise Keepers and talk to anybody. Right. That's not a knock on them at all. It's just to say that where I'm at in my life right now, I want to talk to somebody and I couldn't call and talk to anybody. But then I go to this, this iron sharpens iron guys website and his phone numbers on there. And it says he's willing to meet with people. And I'm like, let's do it. And I, I call him up and, and we meet and uh, Tom and I spent the next year and a half with him uh, discipling me. And a lot of what we went through was, uh, was men's fraternity stuff, yeah. which taught me how to be a, a godly man and really gave me a lot of the answers to what does it mean to be a man of God and how do you practically live this out? And so Tom was the first guy who uh, discipled me and really showed me what it looks like to live as a man of God. And I tell people a lot of what Tom did was he just modeled it. And then Robert Lewis taught me manhood from a DVD. Right. And uh, and then the, the one or two times that I've met with uh, Robert Lewis and I've talked to him about the material, he said, master it, like own it, know it. And so I took that serious Cheshire and I have literally watched the men's fraternity DVDs 15, 20 times. Like yeah. we, we can recite stuff from them. Uh, and, 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 and everything we say usually is like, well, Robert Lewis said this or Robert Lewis said that. Uh, and people are like, man, who is this Robert Lewis guy? <laughs> and you go, he's actually a, a, a spiritual father to me through DVDs. And, yeah. um, and in that way, between Tom modeling it, and uh and and robert teaching it uh that's where i started to grab a hold of the idea of of growing as a man of god of moving beyond just being a a church attender and wanting to know i want to be a good husband how do i do that i want to be a good father how do i do that Uh, how do you have i mean robert lewis through a dvd ultimately led led me to leave my job because he said if you're in your 30s and you're dissatisfied with where you're at it's time to make a move i left there and i said this is it I'm making a move, even though I was successful to the world, yeah. I had a job making a ton of money, but I was miserable as a person. And I said, w- between Robert Lewis's words and Cheshire's confirmation, I said, I'm leaving this job. And, and against all of the advice of all of my family and friends who were like, you're crazy. You've arrived. You have this incredible job. You make all this money. Everybody respects you. I said, yes, but I'm a liar and I hate myself. And uh, and so uh, on that, uh, that was what launched me into ministry with RPM and with Tom Cheshire. But uh, Tom was the guy who discipled me and then propelled me on to go disciple other people. You, you know, let me just summarize with a couple of things that I see here. Uh, Gensler, uh, it, if you, it, 
even though you have the trappings of success and things look good, if you are a mess on the inside, then a lot of other things are going to be messy as well. I would bet if we could talk to Lisa, um, you guys looked probably pretty good when you showed up in the minivan on Sunday morning, but she knew something was off in marriage. Would that be a fair assessment that um, that there, there's just there's turmoil there? Um, and, and I think another parallel that I see here is both of you were actively involved in your church. And, and I think we've got lots of guys who are listening to this podcast who are actively engaged at the church. And, dude, you look the part. I mean, when the minivan door opens or the SUV door opens and you roll out of there with your two and a half kids on Sunday morning, you look good, smell good. And everyone thinks you are good, but there is some churning in your heart. And I've been there, and and I think that's part of what both of these guys experience. Because when when you look good on the outside, the church wants to put you to work. They don't want to get. They don't want to necessarily know about your junk. They want to know what value you have to their organization. And I, please understand, pastors, if you're listening to this, I am not pounding on you. I'm just saying that guys are so good at hiding behind a mask that you don't even often know what the needs are in our lives. And that's part of the reason I think this is so powerful. You know, I we do a, a survey each week, and the survey we did this week was asking guys if they were involved in a men's only small group. And uh, out of 200 and plus, like 220 respondents, almost 50% they had said they were involved in a weekly group of men of some sort. Another 20% say they were meeting every other week or monthly or randomly. 30% said, I've got nothing. I'm, I'm not connected with guys at all. And I would say that for the most part, the Noble Warriors listening audience and the people that are interacting with us are part of the church. And so I would dare say that some of those groups that guys are part of are not necessarily healthy groups. Um, and there are plenty of guys that aren't connected to anyone. So getting connected is incredibly important. Now, let, let me let me shift here just a little bit. I So Tom Cheshire, you said that one guy came along and loved you um, and was just present in your life. Another guy came along and gave you the uh, tools maybe, to help you live out what you needed. Both of them were probably modeling it in some way. Ginsler, you said you've got the, um, you got the information in large measure from Robert Lewis, but you saw it lived out in the life of Tom Cheshire, and Tom, Tom probably loved you, and, and although he's kind of hard to love at times, isn't he, Cheshire? So, uh, we all. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I just think this is this is incredibly important that we have we've got information coming in, but someone's got to love us through that information and then teach us how do we apply that in our lives. So how has that gone? Has it been perfect? I mean, when you when you heard you need to do a, a daily quiet time, have you been consistent ever since that all got started? How do you deal with ups and downs in all of this, guys? Yeah, I I think. Uh obviously sanctification is a lifelong process, right? Uh, and I think there's seasons you go through, whether it's work or family or kids or life or health or whatever that, that uh, push against those rhythms, right? And push against those disciplines. 
and and I know, you know, again, I, I kind of tease that, uh, you know, I don't know if it's just my personality. I don't know if it's, you know, having been in the Marine Corps, I, you know, I don't, but I, I'm pretty tenacious when you tell me to do something. Not only do I want to do it, I want to do it like to the best of my ability and, you know, surpass everybody else. Right. So what that led to in the beginning for me was I didn't realize it, but I became a legalist. And, and so I tease now and say, I'm a recovering legalist, right? Like I used to, you know, you need to be in the scriptures every day. If you're not in the scriptures every day, you're sin, you know, just, ah, you know, just crazy. Right. Um, and I now go to where, you know, I, I've, I've softened. Thank you, Jesus, uh, to, you know, using words and language. Like you just need to be in the word consistently, yeah. right? You should be in the word more days of the week than you're not right. Yeah. Like, so, so that's, but I think for me, it was that just that um, voracious appetite and, and, and motivation that I had. Again, where, I'm not sure exactly where that came from, personality or training, um, but I took it very, very seriously. And I, and I, I was, I mean, I've, I've, I don't know how many Bibles I've got, three at least that I know of that are from, from Genesis to Revelation that are read through, marked up, highlighted, underlined, margins filled out at least three right so and those most of those were in the early years right yeah. like i still have one bible that i use but a lot of that came from just wanting to just voraciously intake scripture and study it and pray about it and you know learn about it grow in, in my knowledge and understanding of who god was right so um but in the midst of that i've had seasons where and, and i tell guys i i know if i'm struggling with some sort of sin in my life there is a propensity to not want to open God's word. Now that can be pride. That, I'm not saying it's necessarily something horrendously bad, but if I'm struggling in an area that I'm not really wanting to address, the first thing that I'll do is not go to scripture. Right. Because I know I'm smart enough to know, and I've read the Bible enough to know the answer is going to convict me and it's going to be right there smack dab in my face. Um, immediately upon opening that book, right? So what, what's what's the smart man do? He don't open the book, right? right? So I think there are seasons, and there are seasons where I've been dry and just, you know, I, I don't know what it is where, um, you know, um, I've, I've cried out to God just to give me the desire to want to be in his word because I don't have that desire. So I, I think to, to say that once you become a Christian and once you start to get into the word, that life is just a bowl of cherries and you'll never struggle. And it, that's a flat out BS. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I, and I think that that's part of that relational discipleship relational thing is that you, you, you get to be real with other people like that and share those kind of struggles so that they know when I'm thinking these things or I'm struggling with these things, I'm not crazy. Right. Like, because you are this perfect Christian that never wanes in your faith never wanes in your devotions, never wanes in your prayer, never wanes in your service. And uh, so I, I think that that's just a reality of being a Christian, especially over a long period of time, you're going to experience seasons of drought. Well, and it, and it sounds like what you're talking to me is uh, in this process, you've learned grace. You move from... Oh. You, you move from legalism where it's all judgment and no grace to a scenario where you are able to receive grace and boy that helps us to understand how important it is to extend grace 
Um, so all of that is part of this sanctification process that you mentioned. Uh, absolutely. Well, let, let me do this. Second Timothy two two. I know you guys know this. Paul is speaking to Timothy, young pastor and leader in the church, and and he says, and what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is this is intriguing to me because. Paul puts a qualifier on the men that Timothy is to invest in. Now, you may teach broadly, but you're going to invest in what type of men? Faithful men who will be willing to teach others also. So here's a, here's a crazy question. You guys clearly were faithful men because you didn't just absorb what was given to you and take that and run with it and 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 hold on to it and possess it for yourselves you have been engaged in sharing that with others what makes you a faithful man and then how do you recognize the next faithful man to really invest your time your heart your spirit into developing and discipling I'll, I'll go first, I guess. Uh, the, the the acronym FAT, which yeah. uh, hot and fat, right? Honest, open, and transparent, faithful, available, and teachable. Even in that passage that you just read from Second Timothy, it, it actually almost says fat in yeah. it, right? It, it's got faithful and teachable, basically, but in that is also the implied availability, right? Right. Uh, that, that those men would be faithful, available, and teachable, right? So um, I, I, th- I think that that's what I look for. And I, I'll tell you one of the characteristics, I, I, Tom just mentioned it, that I have recognized in, that I recognized in him in the beginning. I think Scott Brindley and Jim Talley recognized it in me in the beginning was this brokenness, was this humility that I knew I was the problem, right? Not like you'll meet some guys that, you know, if my wife was just prettier, if she was smarter, if I made more money, you know, it's everything external to them and nothing internal. Right. To me, that guy is probably not available. Right. And he's most likely not teachable. So you can, you can test the waters with them and see, but generally speaking, when you think other people are the fix, and, and none of it really lies within your camp, I don't think that's a faithful, available, teachable guy. So I'll stop with that. Let Tom give his two cents. Yeah, I, I, I left work uh, and drove an hour to meet with Cheshire for a year and a half. And so I spent about three and a half hours every week. And then I would take, then my wife and I would go home and watch all of the men's fraternity DVDs together uh, and just talk about how like, you're like, where's this been at my whole life kind of information. Right. Um, but I want, I want to preface something with discipleship for a lot of guys. I, I want to lower the bar real quick yeah. and say that um, uh, Jeff Schulte, who was in one of the 33 DVDs, uh, he, he was discipled by Robert Lewis. Uh, Jeff discipled me for a year. Um, he, he taught me that um, we should look at discipleship like a loaf of bread. And uh, if there's, say, there's 16 pieces in a loaf of bread, uh, each of those 16 pieces of bread would represent a different relationship. And so I've not met a complete man like yet in my life besides Jesus. Right. Yeah. And so every guy represents something different. And, and so I think men need to in discipleship need to take some pressure off themselves. Like 
one of my what, what am I passionate about? I'm passionate about marriage, parenting, and manhood, and, and, and finances, and those kind. Of, and so those are things that I bring to the table when I meet with the guy and invest in him. But there there is no guy who's going to show up and he's just got everything completely figured out and he can then intake that information in one year and give it to another guy. That's not possible. And so what Jeff helped me understand was that uh, let's just hope to have 16 different relationships in the course of my life uh, that all represent different things for me. Like, you know, I tell people Cheshire, uh, I think this is in the book, Cheshire, you know, taught me what it looked like to live as a, as a godly man uh, in kind of general terms. Jeff Schulte helped me uh, peel back my heart. I, I'll never forget when Jeff said, do you fight a lot? And I said, no. He said, you talk about fighting people all the time. And I said, well, it's all metaphorically, you know, I'm just, I'm, are you angry? No. He said, well, then what's going on inside your heart? And so Jeff taught me to peel back my heart and go, what's going on inside of here? Bob, Bob Bolin, uh, a, a local plumber, the nicest guy I've ever met. And when I, I asked Bob to, to, to disciple me, he said, I was, I'm retiring. I'm selling my business. I wanted to start investing in guys. I didn't think it'd be a guy like you. That's what he told me. <laughs> and then we, he said, well, let's meet again. And I want to pray about it. So we come back the next week and Bob says, so tell me again, why you want me to disciple you. And I said, frankly, you're the nicest guy I've ever met. And no one has ever put those words with my name in my entire life. And so what <laughs> I know, what I know that I need, Bob, is I need whatever you have to rub off on me just a little bit so that I can become kinder, gentler, more Christ-like, right? Yeah. Uh, but I need someone, I think a lot of guys need, they need someone to like show them like what this looks like. Like Cheshire, you know, modeled what it looked like to be with your wife. He's, you know, he's loved me in difficult situations where, you know, I'm stubborn or where I think I have all the answers and, and you know, those difficult things like that. And uh, so all these different guys represent something different from me. And so I want to encourage all the guys that are, that are listening that, none of us have the whole package in that I hope to just be able to help a guy have a better marriage. And so what I end up doing with a lot of guys is marriage stuff. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I, or we do manhood stuff or we do parenting stuff and, and I'm raising kids. And so I'm super passionate about it because I want to get it right for myself. And then I want to help other people get it right. Uh, and, and so, but no one has it all figured out. Well, and, and there are different phases of parenting. I mean, Tom, you're at a spot, Tom Cheshire, you're at a spot where your girls are out of the house and, um, but you're still a, a dad and um, you're still trying to figure out how do I do this? Well, I get that. Tom, Ch Tom Gensler, you're in a different place. And we're uh, for Stacy and I, we're kind of in a hybrid. We've got some out and some that have come back because of COVID and one young lady is still with us. And um, so the, the whole parenting thing and even the marriage thing, they're seasons of marriage. So we need folks that are going to walk with us um, through each of those seasons to help give us context and remind us that God's Word has sufficient answers for our challenges in each of those environments. Um, Tom Gensler, you've already spoken to this quite a bit, but um, there are guys listening to this that desperately want someone to come alongside them. And, and, and I would say that they don't even know they want that. That that's kind of an odd statement. That they don't down, know what they don't know. Yeah, down deep, they they've got a a wanting and a desire, but they can't even name it. 
Um, and some of those guys uh, had great dads that, you know, th- they helped them with a lot of these areas. They might have given them four slices of the bread loaf, but they didn't get, you still didn't get the whole loaf, even from a great dad. And so we need other men that are going to bring wisdom to our lives. And so what, um, guys, what would you say as a word of encouragement to a young guy who is looking, he's, he's got this pit in his stomach where he knows he's kind of lost and he's missing something and he's looking for it. How would you coach him to reach out to a, a man that he finds to be exemplary in some way and, and invite that guy to invest in his life? What does, what does that conversation look like? I think it begins with prayer. Yeah. That's one of the foundational pieces uh, we, we nailed down in our book was uh, all this is uh, with prayer. I think it's humility. Um, I've been reading through the book of Isaiah, and uh, it's clear God does not like pride, and uh, which is one of, my, one of my worst attributes is I'm an extremely prideful individual. Uh, but I think it's uh, – Robert Lewis talks about this in Men's Fraternity from the 90s. He calls it the eager protege. Yeah. And uh, what does that look like? I think it's, um, you know, it's it's saying that I I know that I want to grow in these areas, and it's not being um, afraid of rejection. Yeah. Because there's going to be a lot of guys as a younger man you'll approach, and they don't know what discipleship means, or they don't know what mentoring means, they don't know what investing means, and so a lot of guys want to answer questions. And so they'll, what what are your questions? I don't have questions. I just want to get to know you and. One of the things I've loved about my, my relationship with Bob Bolin uh, over the years is that we don't have an agenda. We just get together, and then he challenges me through my my conversations of what's going on in your life. And as, I, as I'm as i rattling off the 100,000 things that I'm doing, then he'll just push back in different areas, and I'll be like, oh, you're, you're, you're challenging me right now. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, in, in that way, um, you, you, might have to, you might have to help a, an older man see what it looks like to invest uh, and an older man might have to teach a younger man what it looks like to be invested in right because i found i found a lot of guys that i've discipled they don't even know what it me- looks like to meet with another guy i've had guys that i've discipled that going to panera for coffee was the first time they'd ever sat down with another man and had a cup of coffee well i find that odd that's what i do like you know five times a week with people yeah um but teaching them, you're going to have to, on both sides, younger and older, most likely teach them what it looks like to be in a relationship, which is why we would encourage you to, to read something like this together, yeah. uh, which then starts to give you all, uh, you know, kind of parameters and answers. But you might have to, as a younger guy, have grace and help an older man see that, hey, man, will you just teach me what it looks like to be married? You've been married for 40 years. Can you teach me what it looks like to be married? And, you know, instead of just meeting one time and answering questions, let me just hang around you. And if you're an older guy listening, just let younger guys hang around you. And that, and they may, they may think that that's weird at first, but they're going to like it because they're actually yearning for that. They're looking for that. It's what you said, Mike, they they can't put their finger on what they're looking for, but what they're looking for is they're looking for a fatherly relationship that was God ordained that maybe their earthly dad doesn't know how to do and he's missing. And so then other guys can fill that void. And that's what a lot of the older men in my life do is they, they are representation of a fatherly figure in different ways and in different roles in my life. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'll get Tom Cheshire to, to kind of finish us off here. Um, and, th- and then I'm going to ask you guys to tell us how we can 
follow up with you. I know you've got um, the, the guy who discipled me, Kerry Bates, used a, a tool called Master Life, and he said, you know what, it, you need a track to run on for a little while to get to know each other and get started. And um, so I, I just want to speak to this question. I I deal with pastors sometimes who would, would be um, – they're not all in on something if we can't clearly say it's a traditional Bible study. And and so we want to say that we're running a Bible study. And, and so, you know, okay, you guys can get together, but you need to be studying James. And it, it, it needs to look like a men's Bible study, not a men's gathering, not this thing where you just do life. So, Tom Cheshire, how do you... How do you do life that points to the Word and make sure that the Word is not left out of the conversation, but the conversation is real and raw and, dare I say, relevant and practical in its ministry to men? Yeah, so uh, I don't even know where to begin. So for, first part of it is, is that we, and I think it's, kind of the premise of one of the reasons why we wrote the book is we have come to understand through conversations with pastors and with just laymen and, and others that they, they had no concept of how to even be in a relationship with another man, right? They, did, they, they don't even know how to begin that, right? They don't even know how to begin that process. And, and you know, again, I've had numerous pastors sit in this office and when you ask them what they want with their men, I'd say 80 to 90% of them, the first thing out of their mouth is in a Bible study. Yeah. And you, and I would always go, you know what? Amen, brother. I want them there too. But inviting them to that as the initial thing, you're, you're, you're asking them to jump across the Grand Canyon. And that is just too big a chasm for them to get across. And so they're not going to come. I know you want them to come. I want them to come. But you have to get them there first. And, and and part of all of this, I just had this conversation the other day with somebody about evangelism. You know, I'm not opposed to the street corner evangelist or, or the booth or whatever at the, at the fair that's trying to help people understand their, their sin and their lostness. But I don't think it's super effective, right? Super effective evangelism is relational. Yeah. I know you. I know that you care about me. You know that I care about you. And now I share the gospel with you, right? So I think so First of all, for the first part of that answer, it is it's relational. And so if you look at our book, if you look at the way that I've done discipleship from from the way that Scott Brinley and, and Jim Talley both showed it to me, the word was important. And I don't want to say that Scott Brinley never we never opened the Bible and, and I give all that credit to, to Jim because Scott was with me for a number of years and, and it was all based on scripture. It was all based on opening the word and, and, and praying and doing those sorts of things. Right. But neither one of those guys led with that. Right. They, Jim Talley knew me from work. He was a, he was a peer of mine at work. We were both upper level management at this facility. Right. So um, he approached me months before all this to, as a friend, as just someone as a Christian who I think had some sort of inclination that I wasn't, walking with god right but so when the when the house of cards fell then he came in and just wanted to befriend me as a as a as a christian so i think part of it and and the design the intentional design that we put in the book is basically getting to know people and i'm 
I'm about, uh, I don't know, a couple months easy into discipling a pastor who wanted, who read the book, I think is maybe how it started. I don't know. But he just knew me, knows me and said, I, I don't know how to disciple and I want to, you know, figure it out. And I have basically taken him through the book and, and week one, you know, just getting to know each other, tell your, you know, figuring out if that person even knows Christ, get their testimony, you know, week two, tell me about your mom and your dad, tell me about your childhood. All these are just relational building tools, right? We don't introduce really scripture or the Bible until, you know, four or five weeks into it. And sometimes longer. Again, it's, it's a, there's no exact science to when we actually start to open the scriptures to this. But he has had so many aha moments in the beginning part of this, of this whole relationship building piece that he never had a clue to. And he's like, this is revolutionizing my my thought and how I approach other men and how I will then go on and disciple people. Yeah. Because I just wanted to jump right into a Bible study and let's open it up. And I don't know squat about you, right? Better to know the guy and spend some time doing some assessing really like i said if i'm going to go into a bible study and i and i've heard your testimony and to the best of my ability i can i can believe that you have had your heart transformed by christ and then put your faith and trust in him alone my bible study is going to look different than if i hear your testimony and it's like i don't think you know jesus really and your life is not displaying it you're not bearing any fruit of it. So now when we get to the Bible, I'm going to approach it completely different with you than I would somebody else. Right. So part of it is again, just not assuming everybody in the Bible study is saved. Right. right? Which is what pastors do. And that, that's what, anyway, so I don't know if that answered your question. Well, I, th- I, I think it does. And I, I think we make assumptions because we expect uh, folks who are at church to behave like uh, Christians, but they're not all there. It's uh, it, it's not the case. And we don't know what their level of maturity is either. Uh, it's one of the things I encourage churches to do is to make a list of all the men and, fi- and do some sort of assessment, find out where they are and, and have they been discipled? What are their experiences and exposures? So uh, guys, we there's a lot of work to do. We could go on and on. I, this is this has been fun, and um, it's encouraging to me because I know we're called to labor in the same field, and 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 so I just delight in that. So uh, we may pick this up again sometime because there there are questions about what exactly is discipleship. You guys talk about in the book, and I just love that dialogue. I love uh, other dialogues about strategy and and ultimately how do we help the church do this effectively. So um, the book that you guys wrote together is Real Life Discipleship. They can get that best where? You can, Amazon. Uh, you can get it on Amazon or you can uh, go to our website, uh, whichever you prefer. They've got it on Audible. Uh, it's basically available everywhere. And then in the book, you get a free year-long discipleship guide, which is what Tom was describing. And that gives you the rails to run on. Yeah. Uh, and again, we'll tell you, you don't need any of this stuff. But uh, we found a lot of guys need the, the initial confidence and encouragement. And, uh, and so that's kind of what the guide does. The guide is all scripture. It's basically uh, topically taking someone through life issues and how do you, um, you know, apply scripture truths to those things. And uh, that's a free download if you buy the book on our website. Awesome. 
that's also the last chapter of the book is kind of the, the the first five sessions if you will of of the guide so that you know that when we started this process we actually developed the guide and then wrote the book yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I can and see so that. When we would give the guide to people as a word document, they go, "Really? That's all there is to this?" And we're like, "Yeah, that's pretty. That, that's yep, it's that simple." Um, so then we wrote the book, and then we felt like at the end of the book, if you didn't want the guide, hey, no big deal. We'll give you a few a glimpse of the guide if you think it's helpful and you want to know more. Then here's the download. We've also now got it in hard copy yeah. as well. So. If, people wanted to actually go through it and, and go, you know, work through it with another person. You could, you could use it that way as well. Awesome. To print it out. Well, Tom and Tom, thank you for your time. Thanks for jumping in and be a part of this. Thanks for being friends and partners in ministry. And, um, I just appreciate your time. So we'll, we'll put this out and, uh, we'll have some show notes with links back to you guys. Um, if folks, I, I may even put your email addresses in if folks want to speak to you, uh, directly, uh, thank you for your candidness in in all of this. And uh, my prayer is that some guy's going to hear this and he's going to reach out to ask a man to disciple him or or some seasoned man is going to say, I want to be a guy who invests in men. I want to see this multiplied in the lives of some men. And this is going to be helpful in that regard. So, men, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, folks, we'll jump in next week for the Noble Man podcast. I think we're going to be talking to some wives about how important it is for a man to have connection with other men in a small group and and the benefit that it is to marriage and family when a guy is connected to other men. So tune in next time for uh, the Noble Man. God bless you, men. 